Uh, we are starting our series on worship today. I believe this is the perfect uh, topic, the perfect discussion to piggyback off of our pray series, both of which are verbs, right? We pray, we do, we worship, we do worship, right? And my, my prayer is that we incorporate what we have learned in our pray series into this series, right? That the, that the end of one series is not in that, and then we begin something else new, but that we bring it with us, right? So as we, as we talked about the Holy Spirit, that we bring that understanding of the Holy Spirit into worship. As we talked about the altar, we bring that understanding of the altar into worship and all of those things because they are mutually inclusive, right? Not exclusive of each other. And I believe that God, as we began this morning already, he is going to bring us to a new place in worship, even here at Beaches Chapel. And I say it even here at Beaches Chapel because if you're, if you're somewhat new to this place or don't know the history of Beaches Chapel, you need to understand and know that from its inception back in the 70s, Beaches Chapel has always had the anointing of worship on this house. It's something that God has... God has placed on this place. It doesn't matter who the worship pastor is. It doesn't matter who the lead pastor has been. It, it, throughout the course of the history of Beaches Chapel, worship has been the foundation and the staple of what we do. And it will continue to be the staple of what we do. You will never hear in any staff meeting or from the pulpit or anywhere else, well, we have a lot going on this week. Why don't we cut this song? All right, well, let, let's just keep worship to this right here. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Because... Because we have a responsibility to the anointing that God has given on this house, right? To, to respect and honor that anointing. And if we go around just cutting off the anointing that he's giving us, he's going to say, fine, I, there's a church down the road. I'm going to use that, right? But how blessed are we? How blessed are we that God chose this place to be a house of worship where there's no clock, there's no start and stop. Well, there's a start time suggested for most of you all, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we just go. We just go. And, you know, one thing that I marvel at and have for a very long time that is evidence, in, in, a, very, in a practical sense, I mean, of God's blessing of, of worship on this place, and, and I'm not saying this to blow smoke, and listen to me here on this, is how, you know, we're not a huge church. We, we pack a punch, don't get me wrong, but we're not like just, we're not a mega church, we're not this giant church, yet God continues, continues to bring people into Beaches Chapel that are so equipped at leading the church in worship. Like we have, we have a surplus of electric guitar players and of bass players and of amazing vocalists, of drummers, right? And, and a full band of people, y'all, of people that are not up here. I'm talking about our worship team that are not up here for any glory, as a matter of fact, we really only have two extroverts on the, in the entire worship team, and it's Ben and Valerie. That's it, all right? <laughs> After that, good luck trying to have a conversation with one of our musicians off the stage. That's why they all hover up here. Have y'all noticed? There's this little, like, clan. You know, uh, all right? It's like, I'm amazing at what I do, but don't look at me. All right. It's the most introverted band I've ever seen in my entire life. But they do not want any glory at all. They are up here to serve the church and to serve the Lord. And they get here, they get here at 8.30 in the morning, every single Sunday, those that serve. And they give of their time and their abilities throughout the week, learning the songs for us to worship. And I'm so grateful. Can we just give it up for our worship team right now? 
Thank you, Jesus. Yes. But they are incredible. And, um, you know, when we honor the Lord back with what he's given us, he supplies the need, right? And that's why we, you know, you heard Allison say it uh, last week on Mission Sunday, why worship at our school is so important, why we have a seventh period class that is devoted to uh, a worship team. It's why you see Cassie up here leading a, a, a graduate of Beaches Chapel, Luke on drums, Rem on keys. Like we raise kids up, but at the same time, though, we also have people that just come in that are ready. And that is the Lord. It, it, it's amazing to me. It really is amazing to me. Maybe I appreciate it more as, as someone who led worship, like, thank you, Jesus. You know, we have people that, that know how to play four chords, amen. Um, but it, it's, it's just awesome. God has, has anointed this place. And so what I want to do this morning, I want to just take a few minutes to look at three points of why we worship. And not just Peaches Chapel, but why we worship as, as a church, as the church. And they're very simple, but I believe they're very profound and... Um, and then we're going to enter back into worship as we close this morning. The first, the first point I want to make about worship is we worship because the Lord is worthy, right? He is worthy of our praise. We, we already sang about it, right? Glory and praise, honor and strength. Worthy is the Lamb of God. He is worthy. And the thing, actually, let me, let me just read really quick a couple verses, and then we're going to talk about this whole praise thing with God. Psalms 96, 1 through 6. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise His name. Each day proclaim the good news that He saves. Publish His glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things He does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. I love this verse, verse 5. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. Listen, what, I love what this is saying here in that verse 5. Other nations, they worship idols. They worship posers, right? They worship posers, but God is the real deal, all right? God made the heavens. God made the earth. Everything he does is perfect, upright and just is he. He is worthy of our praise because he alone is God. He alone is God. He is the most worthy. He is the, there is no other God. There is no other thing. There is no other person or place that you can go that is more worthy of our praise than God. Nothing. And no one, God is worthy of our praise. Psalm 150, all of it says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heaven. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise His unequaled greatness. Praise Him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise Him with the lyre and the harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with strings and flutes. Praise Him with a clash of cymbals. Praise Him with loud clanging cymbals. And I'm going to add something. Praise Him with electric guitars and with drums and with keys and with bass and with a violin. If you play an instrument, give it to the Lord. Praise Him with all these instruments. Let everything that has breath sing praises to the Lord. And here it is again. Praise the Lord. Psalm 150 begins and ends with the same sentence. Praise the Lord! Exclamation point. Praise the Lord. You know what kind of sentence that is, all you English nerds out there? That's called an imperative sentence. All right? You know what that means? That there's no... We have a verb, praise, and we have the direct object, Lord. Sorry, I'm getting my, my nerd on here. But there's no subject. 
Because in an imperative sentence, the subject is called you understood, right? Meaning it's to you, right? It's not saying it to someone else. So when the psalmist says, praise the Lord, he's talking to you and he's talking to me and he's talking to us. And it's not a suggestion. It's not a question. It's not a statement. It's an imperative. Do it. And that's how the psalm begins and ends. The last psalm, by the way. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, exclamation point. Let's get excited about praising the Lord. And we, we praise, you know, we praise. You're going to hear a lot of praise and worship, praise and worship. And they're not the same thing, by the way. They work together, but they're not the same thing. Praise, we can praise things, right, and other people. And, and that's okay, like praising our worship team. Thank you, thanking them for the things that they have done, right? I can praise my wife for things or my, my children for doing something or the church for doing something. But the ultimate praise, the one who is most worthy of praise is God for the good things that he has done because everything that God does is good. Everything that God does is perfect. We can praise other people, but not everything they do is good. Not everything that they do is perfect. That's why we praise them because, hey, for once we got something right. Woo, let's praise you. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But we praise God the most because he is most worthy of our praise because everything that he does, all of his works are perfect. Bible even says that we praise him because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We praise him, listen, for the simple fact that he gives us life. He gives us breath. All of his ways are perfect. And so I want to say this this morning. As we praise him, it's not about whether we feel like it or not. I would even say this. The moments when you don't feel like it the most are when you should the most, right? If, if you're waking up on Sunday morning and, and maybe you, you need an alarm to be somewhere at 10 o'clock, I, don't, I can't relate to that, right? But it's because I'm a morning person, if y'all didn't get that. Um, I thought that was funny. I guess not. <laughs> no, it wasn't? All right. Oh, praise God. Like I said, we don't know we'll get it right. Um, that was like awkward. <clears throat> Let me go back. Some of y'all need an alarm to get here at... No, forget it. Um, But if you wake up, however that might be, on a Sunday morning, you're like, you know what? I just don't really feel like going to church today. I've had a long week. I'm tired, been beat up. I just don't feel like it. Go. That is when you need to go and praise the Lord the most because he hasn't changed, right? His ways are still perfect. It doesn't matter how we feel about it. His ways are still perfect. He is still the most worthy of our praise. And so we give him our praise. And as we do that, we change. Why? Because the second point is this. We worship because it is a weapon. We worship because worship is a weapon. And when we don't feel like it and we do it anyway, it changes something. It changes something. I want to think about this for a second. You know, you know, military has their, has their war cries. Even, even athletes and sport teams have their things. But just picture with me for a second. 
this battle scene, and let's, let's go, I've gone down the nerd road already this morning, so let's just continue down that path, and, and picture a Lord of the Rings moment, right, where you have the orcs, and you have all these monsters, and they're ugly, their eyes aren't in alignment, they're drooling, they got the terrible teeth and all that stuff, and there's just millions of them, as far as the eye can see, a sea of these soldiers that are fighting for the enemy, and you have this middle ground, this middle earth, but instead of whatever we see in those movies, instead of that, we see the church on the other side. And then you hear, as they're far off, and it's just a sea, millions of people, right? The whole bride of Christ, the church, all assembled together as one. And this is, you hear, glory and praise, power and strength, worthy is the Lamb of God, hallelujah. And it just starts to get louder and louder and louder as they begin to approach this enemy. Because y'all, the truth is, we don't battle against flesh and blood. It's against the powers and the principalities of this dark world. That is who we are fighting. And we can't fight them out of our own strength. We need worship because God inhabits the praises of his people. And so, as intimidating as those orcs might be, in that army of, of evil might look on the surface, right? It's a surface evil. It's a surface power that they look evil. But as the army of God approaches with praise to God, it's not, they're not getting hyped up to fight them, right? They're inviting God onto the battlefield to inhabit the praises of his people. And then this army of evil that looked really fearful, that looked scary, suddenly is gone because God is on the scene and he already has the victory. So if you don't feel like it, all the more reason to get here. Fight your own flesh and say, I'm going to go because I need the weapon of worship in my life because life has beaten me up this week, because things aren't great, because I don't feel like it, that means I need to go more than ever. Use that weapon, y'all. We have it, and it is sharp. It is sharp. But you got to use it. I want to read this story, and bear with me. I want to read the whole thing to give context to what is going on rather than summarizing it. And it's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It says, After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Mayanites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazan Tamar. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah in Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. He prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You, uh, you are the ruler of the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your uh, people, or Israel, arrived? And do you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. 
You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking for your help. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benai, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite, who was a descendant of Asaph. We'll get back to that in a second. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even fight. You will not even need to fight. Take your position, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Listen, it was a word from a Levite. You know what a Levite was in the Old Testament? A worshiper, a musician. I love that it was from a Levite. And so what did Jehoshaphat do? He said, listen, worshipers and musicians and Levites, you go ahead of us. Because worship goes before the army, not after. It is the weapon. It is the weapon. And so that's why we begin our church here. It's not just some formula that we copy. It's because worship comes first. It comes first and it readies our hearts for what God wants to say to us. Because we understand that this whole thing that we do outside of here during the week is hard. And so when we come in, we better worship first. But the battle isn't ours, y'all. Battle is not ours. It is the Lord's. And as we believe in Him, as we sing of His truth, as we're reminding ourselves of who God is, it is then that we are able to stand. But if we try and do it on our own, we will fall. What, is, what does it say here? They, are, they were powerless. They were powerless against this enemy. And without Jesus, 
without the Holy Spirit in us, without God, we're powerless, y'all. We are. And if we don't understand that, if that's hard for you to accept, it's the truth. We need Jesus. We need to worship him, whether we feel like it or not. And the third point I want to make this morning, which is the most humbling and truly the most powerful of all, is we worship because we can. We worship because God has given us the gift of worship, because he wants us to worship him. It wasn't always that way. I want to look at a picture this morning. Um, It comes out of Exodus chapter 27. And this is a picture of the tabernacle that the Israelites had in the 400 years that they wandered in the desert, in the wilderness, before they had their permanent temple that Solomon uh, built. And this is an amazing example of truly the gospel, but of worship as well. So I'm going to break it down really quickly for us. And uh, I got this awesome little pointer here, which I'm way too excited about using. But everyone likes to talk about the tabernacle itself. And this this was the tabernacle uh, right here. But before we get to that, I want to talk about out here. All right? Because out here is important. Out here is the part that I like to call life. Right? That is our Monday through Saturday where things are not easy. Things are hard. Maybe things aren't going well at work or things aren't going well in our marriage or our kids or our finances or whatever it might be. And life is just hard. And that exists all out here. All right? This is life. But then we get to the place in the temple where the doors are right here. And there is gates. These are the gates of the tabernacle. Psalms 104 and 5 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise him, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Well, let's put that back. So we have have this right here, and things are tough. But as we come in, look at this lady just kind of sneaking in right there. I just noticed that. It's okay, go on in. Um, Hopefully she's entering the gates with thanksgiving, right? Um, Because that is what God has called us to do. We come in with thanksgiving. Why? Because it immediately changes our thought. When we start thanking God, man, it's amazing how how the the disgruntledness, right, in the the frustration of life changes. And so they enter in with, you know, gates with thanksgiving and into these courts with praise, which we talked about. Praise, Praise is loud. Praise is shouting. Praise is clapping. Praise is dancing. Praise is boisterous, right? And it's lively and it's energetic and it is good and it is fun, right? And so that's here. But then we have this place right here, the altar, that is made for, for when, we, when we bring our sacrifice to the Lord. And so what we see here is that praise and worship is very much a journey, right? It is going somewhere. And when we, when we worship at church here, trust me, y'all, we are going somewhere. And it's not just from song to song. It's we are, we are going vertically, right? We're not going horizontally. We are going vertically, to the Lord. And then as we get past the altar here, we go into the holy place. And then beyond that is the holy of holies right here. And the holy of holies was somewhere that only the high priest could go and could only go once a year on the day of atonement. That was it. And you want to you want to guess how the holy of holies was separated from the holy place and everything else? With a veil, with a curtain. And only the high priest could go in. 
And so with that, with this tabernacle, this place of meeting that God instructed Moses to build all the way back in Exodus 27 for the Israelites, for his chosen people, right? So that God could be in the camp with them. Still in that, in all of it, there was a stopping point. There was a stopping point. They could only go so far. And then one day of the year, the high priest could just go one step further. But that was it. And here's the thing most important about the tabernacle that we're talking about here. It was temporary. It was temporary. And yes, it was temporary because eventually Solomon was going to build an actual temple that was incredibly ornate and just ridiculously expensive and all this stuff. But it was a symbol of temporary worship that God had for all of his people. For all of his people. Because God was not satisfied with this model of worship for all of us. He wanted more. He wanted us to not have a stopping point where we could continue on in worship. Where we can continue on in the depths of worship and go even further and press in even more. And take all the time that we needed to get to that place where God wants us to go. And it's a miracle. And so God said, I want to rectify this. So I'm going to send my son Jesus. I'm going to send my son Jesus so that he can be on the altar and that he can make a way so that we can enter that place and that veil, that curtain is torn from top to bottom. And now there is a way. Now there is a way for true worship so that you can, you can sup with me, so that you can meet with me. You know, some versions of John chapter 1 where it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It says actually that the word became flesh and tabernacled with us, met with us. Like Jesus came down and he's like, I'm just going to meet with you. I'm going to meet with you and I'm going to be on that altar for you so that you can enter the holy place. So that you can know what it's really like to be with me. It is a gift that God has made through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, on the cross. Have the band come back up and we're going to enter back into worship. But I want to read this verse first. Hebrews chapter 8, starting in verse 1. I love how it starts. Here is the main point, right? Here is the main point. We have a high priest, all right? Just like the high priest went into the Holy, uh, Holy of Holies one day out of the year. Well, we have a high priest, who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. And since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices, our high priest must make an offering too. If we were here on earth, he would not even be a priest since there are already our priests who offer the gifts required by law. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy a shadow of the real one in heaven. Can you all imagine that? Think about the best worship you've ever experienced. It is just a shadow of what is waiting for us. Let me y'all just think for a second, just pause for a second, on those that, that we've loved, that you've loved, that have gone on to be in heaven, and right now they are experiencing the full gamut of what real worship is like. Man, how awesome. How amazing the worship that is going on in heaven. If we have it here and love it so much here, oh, it's only a shadow Praise God. 
For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. Why? Because God was giving an example. He was giving an example of what was to come, what was going to be better than this. Because I want you to do it just like this so that when Jesus comes, they can look back and see what I've done. They can look back and see what I've changed through my son Jesus on the cross. Verse 6, but now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. Jesus is our high priest. He was, he was the sacrifice on the altar. He's the one that made that way so that we could have true worship with God. God wasn't satisfied with, with that model that we looked at where he separated from everybody else in the camps. Right? No, I want to be in your life. I want to be in your heart. And, and, and what's so incredible is that as, as that tabernacle in Exodus was temporary for the temple that was to come, that, that temple that was to come built by Solomon was temporary because the temple that was to come, y'all, is us. The temple is the church. That we talked about it a couple weeks ago. We are a temple for the Holy Spirit. So even as ornate and as amazing as the temple that Solomon built, it's nothing. What God is saying, it's nothing compared to what I built in you. You are my temple. Our mission statement that this is a home for, for all to begin and grow in a relationship with Jesus comes out of Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. And in the end, it says, God is building a temple with all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Think about that. He is at home. What a difference from being secluded from everyone and once a year a high priest comes in to being, for, for us being that temple where he is at home in us. He made a way for us to worship him. He made a way for us to go into the Holy of Holies and go deep into worship, not because we are a, a high priest, but because we have a high priest in Jesus Christ. So we worship because we can, because God allowed it, because it is a gift. It's what he's wanted all along. And y'all, if that's what God wants, if that's what he desires, then that is a good thing that we should do. Praise God that he made a way. Praise God that he is worthy. Praise God that worship is a weapon for us, but more than anything, praise God that he has given us the gift of worship through his son, Jesus. Jesus died on the cross so that we could have a relationship with him. So that there was no cutoff point. Because God sees us as the temple. God sees us as the temple. It's messed up we might be, many times as we fail, fall short and beat ourselves up, God says, no, 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 no. You are my temple and I'm quite at home, church. If you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is the day for you to do so because he loves you and he took on that sacrifice to make a way for you to have a relationship with him where you can worship him, you can know him and he can be in every aspect of your life where it's not where you're just in that six days out of the week life part of that picture, right? And then once 
a week, you, can, you come to church and feel better for that moment. He says, no, no, no. I'm going to come out of the tabernacle myself, and I'm going to tabernacle with you on those six days as well, out in life. He loves you. He loves you, and he thinks more of you than you ever dreamt. He calls you his temple. What more is there? If that's you this morning, I just want to take one moment. We're just going to be quiet. And that's you. All you have to say is, Lord, I believe. I believe. Come into my heart. Forgive me, Lord. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Father, we thank you so much that you sent Jesus to become flesh and tabernacle with us, to meet with us, to be our sacrifice, to be our savior on the cross, and to be our high priest. And that even now he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And Father, we thank you that we get a taste, we get a taste of what worship is like in heaven, here on earth. Thank you for that, Lord. God, I'm so grateful that we serve a God who is worthy of our praises. Your works are perfect, God. You love us. You're not an idol. You're not this thing, God, that is a fad or here today and gone tomorrow. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you are with us. Hallelujah. You are indeed worthy, Father. You are worthy, Lord God. Thank you for the weapon of worship that we can combat the enemy not with knowledge or understanding, but with praise, Father, and with worship. Thank you for the gift of worship. Now we worship because you've allowed it, because you wanted it, and so you've given it to us. Hallelujah. And so we worship you now, Father. We love you and we adore you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can stand, and, and you know, we talked about praise being something that we can give to other people, but ultimately we give it to God the most. The difference between praise and worship is worship is not something that we give to anybody or anything else ever. Any, anything that we, if we worship someone else, our family, our spouse, if, uh, whatever, that's idolatry. We worship God and, and worship is, is different. Worship is different. Psalms 95 says that we worship the Lord in beauty and holiness. The Bible says that come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. Worship is reverent. Worship, is, worship can be loud, but worship can be quiet. But it's a time where we just come before the Lord in awe. It is, it is holy. And it is only for the Lord. So now, let's worship him.
And let's remember what we've learned over these past few weeks. Like I began with, the altar and the Holy Spirit. And let's apply it to worship this morning. Thank you, Jesus.